This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. And welcome to part two of a very lively discussion with group three as part of the new UXer symposium. We had a great time in this discussion, but it went on for so long that we had to split it up into two episodes. So here is the second part, the conclusion from last week's discussion. Enjoy. The way to to simplicity is through complexity. So learn things from a broad perspective and then you can break it down into smaller chunks and you attack it that way. And that's how you master things. So, but go ahead, Clarissa. Thank you, Darren. You raised lots of points that I've been reflecting on. Um, and it made me think of a discussion that we had in um, uh, Chit Chat Hour last month. I feel like I'm on a mission in my practice to make those fundamental methods sexy again. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that because I think that's why I think I think sometimes people in this space who are developing products and services um, love the sexiness of design thinking because it's great spirit right you bring everyone together to generate ideas to you know come up with solutions to wicked problems and you go out and you test them and it's it sounds so exciting and fun however um like i've been looking into heuristics a lot like obsessively because i've realized and i i had I, again, this book is amazing. The the Universal Methods of Design, because I came across yep. heuristic evaluation. I was like, this will save me so much time yes. in meetings <laughs> when we're talking about, oh, where should we place the navigation? Where should we place the back button? Let's 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 ask users what they think about it. No. no. We don't nope. need to. We can just look at this design from the perspective of good practice, consistency, and like. And it's it's just in that way we can save time. But sometimes when you present these ideas to people, people think, "Oh, that's but how are we going to get involved? And how are we going to you know? We need to come yes. up with things to tell." It's like we don't need to. I feel like. I would love to build more of that into my process rather than I think previously I was thinking about um, just, you know, finding out what the problem is and and coming up with ideas and testing them. Like, actually, no, we don't always need to test. Right. We need to just rely on what works. And I feel really privileged in that perspective working in public sector now because we have what's called the government uh, government digital service of government digital service um, design system, which has tried and tested components. So you can just repurpose these things knowing that they've been evaluated with real users and they work. So that's what (laughs) you can lean on rather than wasting time, essentially, in one-to-one usability sessions. So I'm going to go on a rant about this, right? Because (laughs) another thing I want people to understand, again, with my senior user research hat on, is that it's not always appropriate to go to users for testing for that exact reason. If you keep going back to your user base to test simple um, interface interaction questions, you're not making good use of their time. Yes. Again, that's where designing good research comes in. Part of designing good research is understanding how to make the best use of people's time when you've got them with you. Yes. Like the number of times I've sat in a one hour research session and thought to myself, there are so many questions here that we could have just got out of the way with desk research, <laughs> like heuristic evaluations. We could be focusing on so much more valuable things. Yes. Um, and again, I think that's where I've kind of recognized the more you do these things, the more you realize it's not just about delivering outputs quickly. It's about 
designing ways that you can generate really meaningful findings from your work. Value. Right. There it Ran is again. Over. There it is again, Ray. <laughs> Value. No, I, you know, I do think that it's valid. But yeah, Ray, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say on the heels of, 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 of what what um uh, I forgot your name that quick, uh, Clarissa. <laughs> on the heels of what Clarissa. you just said, uh, Clarissa. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. There, there's another. There's another element to that too. Is when you're um, uh, sharing sharing uh, the data with shareholders, it's being being um, aware of the audience that you're speaking with. You know, in other words, yes. Don't waste your time by telling them things that they already know. Uh, because like in the space that I'm in, uh, enterprise, a, a lot of these PMs, they, you know, from, 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 uh, just dealing with certain people, they, 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 they pretty, they do their own desk research for the most part, as I can see, I'm not going to say it's user research or whatever, but they're doing, there's <laughs> a lot of people doing some kind of research. So the, the, uh, the need to understand where these people are at. And the amount of work behind the scenes that they are not going to just automatically tell you the need to know where they're at in their understanding of the users, the customers and all that is very critical. Otherwise, you fall into the uh, predicament of uh, just wasting everyone's time, you know, or why do we need this person here when we can find out this information ourselves? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that that's just yeah. my, my experience. So. Yeah. Right. You, you, and go ahead, Elizabeth. It's true. Yeah, no, well, I was going to say, well, two points, because I also, I working in enterprise right now, and I want to second that point because um, where I'm working right now, a lot of the, the PMs and the senior leadership, they've been there. This, this product's been around since 2012. Some of them have been there since 2012. So they know yeah. a lot about the product, about the product space, about the customers, um, about competitors. So if you are <coughs> finding out things that are new to you, but they know, like, well, okay, what Sorry. does that matter then? Um, but to Clarissa's point about, you know, knowing the tried and true methods, I'm a little, mm -hmm. a little worried. I was recently at a at a meetup and uh -oh. Someone had said something about how uh, one of the attendees had said something about how everything we know about UX could change in five years. No. And I saw people there like nodding their heads like, yeah, yeah, I know. And I don't know if they meant everything or if they were being hyperbolic, but it seemed like they were talking about everything, all of our understanding yeah. of the topic could change within five years because it's an ever-changing discipline. It's an ever-moving discipline. And I think that there is a, they misconstrue what they mean or what, what, what it means when we say it's a fast-moving discipline. I think it's a misconstruing of what it means when we say it's a fast-moving discipline. I think people think that there's no foundational knowledge. And I'm like, this is based in an understanding of human behavior. Yeah. That's not going to change anytime soon. The way people work our knowledge of that is not going to change in, in the next few decades, in the next hundred decades. Like it's, it's not going to, you know, that's brains, not going to change. Brains haven't it, changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, if I'm a little fearful because when I saw everyone in that room, like nodding their heads in agreement, I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Can I, can I, I, feel I like, sorry. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say, uh, it's, I have been marking people with that mindset. That weird post uh, was actually reminiscent of that. There are people who they work harder at trying to disavow and ignore all the aspects of UX that came before them because they want to be the seniors. So mm -hmm. instead of establishing acumen that helps people to achieve that senior status, they just rather kill everybody. They'd rather start from scratch. They think everything is changing. Actually, nothing has changed. It, it is a, and, and I started laughing when you said that you went to a meetup, I started laughing because I actually avoid many meetups today because a lot of meetups today are overrun with these mm -hmm. new people who are trying to microwave, microwave themselves to the top of the discipline so that they can ignore 
the people who actually know what's going on. And, and then they wonder why everybody gets laid off. They, they wonder about all these other scenarios that they're actually creating with this amateurish kind of an approach. They, they are willing to set the discipline back 20 years in order to be on the top of it. Right. And, and that's a very murderous, dysfunctional, narcissistic, and psychotic approach to a discipline that is the opposite of all of those things. So yeah. it, it's no information architecture is still important. When, when the person said that there's a bunch of outdated stuff, there's nothing outdated about heuristics. There's nothing outdated about usability. There's nothing outdated about the 125 different methods, methodologies, techniques, and, and deliverables in the universal design book. There's nothing outdated about Tognazzini's uh, interaction design principles that if you don't know those, you can't design an interface that's worth two cents anyway. So it, it's, you know, these things are still legit because the human brain has not changed. The human brain is not going to change. The only thing that changes are form factors and mental models. And Darren, you just said that brains don't change. No, they don't change. It's just that they get exposed to new things and then they try mm -hmm. to adapt. And so yeah. user experience professionals have to be aware of the, ad the adaptations that people are making as as when, when the iPhone came out, users didn't change. The form factor changed and they applied how they think to this new form factor. That's what we do. That's what UXers do. But these, I go to these, uh, as a matter of fact, there's one you uh, meet up. I don't care if they hear this either. Uh, that's me being my bold self again. The, the, I, I go to a meetup, similar to what Elizabeth just mentioned. I go to a meetup and people are saying all types of ridiculous things. When they do acknowledge that I'm there, it's only to cast aspersions. And then they continue with these other ridiculous, this other ridiculous commentary and, and things that people are saying. I mean, we're living in the age of participatory UX, participatory trophy UX is what I call it. If anybody, if you've ever played any organized sports, uh, and me, I'm older, so I've, I've seen the, the, the things change with organized sports. And it used to be you tried out for the baseball team, you tried out for whatever sport it was, the basketball team, whatever it was. And you either made the cut or you didn't. And eventually, because nobody wanted to be left out and parents were complaining because their kid sucked and, and the kid couldn't even make the cut, then they started coming up with ways to get the kid to be included. And then when I, I was an all-star Little League baseball player, but I played, it was already changing when I played my, my last year of organized baseball because it got to the point where everybody, we had 15 people on our team. There's only nine people play at a time in baseball, not in our league. If you showed up that day, you got to bat, no matter how God awful you were. And, and you, ever, you see somebody, somebody going, there's two outs and somebody go to bat, just grab your gloves and get ready to go out <laughs> because you know that nothing was about to happen. So this participation trophy thing where you're going to go and, and we got, we lost the soccer game 10 to nothing, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, 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 but we did play. We gave it a great effort. Let's go get some ice cream and some pizza. That same mentality has crept into us. Yeah. And it's no yeah. longer, Ray mentioned earlier, it's no about, no longer about excellence. It's no longer about value. It's about people feeling they're a part of something. Mm -hmm. and, and people work so hard to discredit. There was somebody said, yeah, these people, that same post that we were talking about, yeah, and these people are pontificating. And I saw where the person who accused me of pontificating actually liked that post. And if you look at the things, so I knew that they had been talking. Make that association immediately. Then the person, and you go, if you look at who they, who they choose to interact with, they say this, that, and other. Who's got time to go and look at every interaction and decide who's reacting to what. And you just biased everybody anyway. It's childish. It's like, we're, are we in the second grade again? It, yes. it's, it's absolutely right. ridiculous. And, and, and we go to a meeting, and then we'll take Elizabeth's uh, hand. You go to a meeting, and there's 10 disciplines represented, 8 to 10 disciplines. We are the baby. We are the only one. We can't afford all of this this inner fighting that's taking place. 
in UX. And I'm not fighting against anybody, but they sure are coming at me. They're coming at people like me because they don't want it. They don't want to be accountable. They don't, you know, I, I remember Ray telling me stories about he was trying, he would try to approach people that went through the Google program to try to show them some of the things he learned and they attacked him. Somebody brought me up. He said, he said how he really appreciated the stuff that I was presenting. That guy starts making all these weird out of left field accusations that had nothing to do. And, and this is the kind of stuff that they do. These blind, foolish gaslighting. The discipline yeah. can't afford it. Mm-hmm. We can't afford it. You know, somebody just said, the stuff you're talking about is old fashioned. What did I say that was inaccurate? Don't, don't, don't throw some goofy thing out there that triggers a fear in your little, your little um, uh, uh, neurotic crowd. Cause it's what they are. What, what did, what, what did we say? Where is it wrong? We, we mentioned earlier about research. Great point, Clarissa. We did a, I was doing, I was working at Quicken Loans and Fathead was owned by Quicken Loans and they had a problem on their, people were abandoning the custom Fathead part of the experience where you had to upload an image and they would create a Fathead and then you get it and you put it up on your wall. Whatever picture you send in, you can do it. I use it a lot. Love that. I didn't do any research at all. I did first I did a heuristic evaluation because heuristic evaluations will inform your research. Exactly. If you don't do a heuristic before you do research, you will research things that you should have known because of your heuristic personal heuristic repository, as I call it. But if you don't have a personal heuristic repository and you think you have to research everything, you're wasting money. You're wasting resources. You are inviting what I call participant fatigue because they're going to get tired of you coming to them about nothing. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. do research. Research can be can be used to identify up to 90 percent of what is wrong with any design. Just do research on the 10 percent. If if the maturity of your team only amount only accounts for 60 to 70 percent of what's wrong with the design, conduct research for the other 40 percent. That's how there's these things are interchanged and how they work together. What's old mm-hmm. about that? Nothing. It's smart. But people right. can't do it. So they demonize it. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I did, I did my talk at Michigan State about heuristics. I'm sorry. They went back to the unnamed uh, uh, body of people <laughs> and they ex- explained to them how much they loved my talk on heuristics and, and they got shot down. You know why? Not because what I talked about was old, not because it was, it was a, a, a ridiculous value proposition. It was because they didn't know anything about heuristics and they didn't want to learn it because one of the other things that's overrunning people in UX today is laziness. Just old-fashioned, blatant laziness. People are so lazy, they don't want to learn. And so when you talk to them about learning, they try to demonize you to try to eliminate you, your voice from consideration because they yep. don't want to deal with what you're saying. Right. Just ridiculous. But Elizabeth, about, yeah. About your, well, about company that will not be named. So I applied to their internship <laughs> program and I, I am, did not um, move forward because they only pay you um, $50 an hour as an intern. What? Yeah. They emailed me back and they said, we're only going to pay this much. Um, don't ask for anything else. And I'm like, I can't live off of that. 30 hours a week, oh $15 an hour. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 15 yeah. US dollars an hour? No. Um, but no, I <sighs> I brought up this point because, um, the, which is also why I asked, you know, when, when did this discipline start to diverge from proper UX? Because at this, at this meetup, um, I do think that your voice is valuable and I do think it'd be helpful for you to go because when I was there, about 90% of the people there were just starting Newer out. UXers. They were juniors. Not yep. even jun- they were entry level. They were just trying to find out about the discipline. And it was it was just sad to see because it's like these people are just starting out. They're already getting misinformed. Yep. They don't know that they're getting <clears throat> misinformed. No idea. Baby birds. Because syndrome. they're just starting. They don't know what they don't know. Yep. Right. And in order, you know, 
I'm actually practicing empathy. I was there. I was in that same position when I first started out. I didn't know what I didn't know. And the whole yeah. reason why I went back to school in the first place is because when I first started out and I was doing my own research into the discipline, I kept getting inundated with articles. This is 2018. I kept getting inundated with information saying, you don't, you can just fake it till you make it. You don't need any experience. You don't need any experience to get your first job. You don't need any education to get your first job. That's not what this discipline is. Just start doing it. And when I'm at, when I'm at those meetups and I'm hearing people say those same things from back in 2018, which was not true in 2018, but it's definitely not true now. <laughs> um, it's I I want to I, I want to empathize with people who are just starting out as well and, and understand that they are not they're not starting out on the right foot. They are right. getting misinformed right from the get go, right from the start. So when I when I do hear a, another junior say something that's wrong, I don't want to you know say that they are purposefully doing it i just think that they weren't informed properly they don't know but to the point about learning like yeah like when some people they're they are just flat out lazy <laughs> they don't want to learn but then others got educated by someone who is telling them i already told you all the things that you need to know or they went to a boot camp learned all the things from the boot camp and the boot camp lied to them <laughs> about what they need to know right or didn't fully elaborate on how much knowledge you need and the fact that you're never going to stop learning like i got my master's i barely scratched the surface of what this discipline is yes. in that master's program. I know I'm going to have to keep learning. I'm going to have to keep building up my skills. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to keep practicing. It's never going to stop. But when when you're told, when you don't know anything else about the discipline, that this is what it is, and you're being told by someone who has a bunch of experience, they're telling you this is what it is. Who are you as, a, as an entry-level person to say they're wrong or that they don't know what they're talking about. You're going to them for the help that you, that you need. And so that's, you know, that's where my fear is coming from is that there are people who the, the blind leading the blind, exactly. The, the blind who shouldn't be blind are leading the blind. They should. And that's even worse. (laughs) Can I just say that's the, one of the, that's one of the reasons why, I was really keen to go into a senior position because I think sometimes it is really, like you were saying, Elizabeth, it's really hard to challenge people who've been quote-unquote working in the space longer or even not even under a a title of UX, but people who are so set in their idea of what UX is um, that I I was just like it's really hard for me to kind of be a position of authority um in the sense that I'm trying to lead you down the right direction not tell you off and so I think one of the things that I've kind of tried to work in in my practice in general um both from my experience of working in academia and also listening to some of the, I think some of the UX potpourri um, podcasts that you were talking about, Darren, is like finding those little moments to discuss with people where their thinking is coming from and then find a way for us as a team to go in a different direction that, you know, I think is more appropriate. Um, and I, I think it comes down to having those skills where you can teach but also like you were alluding to elizabeth like having that charitable thinking like okay maybe they don't know any better but here i am with the teaching skills to guide them in the right direction um so i think that's kind of how i approach it but um, conversely I think there will always be people who'll be defensive about what they don't know. And in the sense for your own sanitary, it's just worth um, keeping keeping an eye on those people, um, yes. making sure they don't hurt themselves and others, but also saving your saving your mental health because it's it's exhausting like to to Yes it is. I'm talking at the very basic fundamental level. Um, 
when people refer to UX, when you know good and hell well, they're not talking about UX, they're talking about visual design. Um, when people refer to user research, but they're not talking about user research, they want to ask people what, they want to ask users what they like. Um, what do you think about this, that, and the other? That's like, it's, it's just things like that. Um, I'm waffling a bit, but my point was, when it comes down to the defensiveness at that level, sometimes it's just no saving, saving them. And they have their own reasons. Like some people are desperate to um, move out of their current role into a UX role. So they'll repurpose what UX is and they'll, you know, pitch it in a way that people think, oh, well, you can do that, right? Cool. Um, Some people, like you say, haven't been taught properly or haven't taken it upon themselves to educate themselves and apply critical thinking. So, yeah. I know my point was eventually, but it's just tricky. Right. Go ahead, Ray, you had a a comment you just shared in the chat. You want to share that? Oh, I I just mentioned uh, what I I noticed immediately when I got off in the UX is that it would it's filled with people whose arrogance is unjustified i'm not saying <laughs> that you know we should be gung ho with for arrogance you know but uh uh i do think we all would agree that there are certain people who have ascended the ladder in and in, in, in whatever disciplines that you can think of who if they're cocky Okay, I understand why this person cocky. They're, they're a butt, but okay, I can see why <laughs> compared to why is this person a butt when they don't know crap or they don't know what the hell they're talking about or, they, or it's obvious they're pretending. So why is this person so damn arrogant? So I had to accept the fact that that was the case because while on one hand I did have babe, babe, the baby bird syndrome, uh, Darren, that you that you uh, coined, <laughs> I did have that. However, okay, so that means I didn't have a filter. However, because of what it is, what it was, and that was information architecture, I I went down that trail first. I I guess the the, the forces of of, of good were in my favor, so to speak, because it sort of kind of shielded me from a bunch of crap. So by the time that I did start saying, okay, let me kind of network and all this good stuff, I'm looking at everybody else wondering, man, what Kool-Aid you guys been drinking? Because this is not what I've been reading about and learning about over here. And then when I uh, went into the uh, Google, uh, took the Google course, I'm scratching my head because at this point, even though this may have not been the best places that that I was contracting for, but I knew that there, that once again, that there, there, there was something missing from the Google course, because that wasn't real life. Nope. Things are not nice and neat as the <laughs> course portrays, you know, and, and, and we don't even want to talk about the ideology. That's a whole nother conversation. But my, my point was, is that uh, going back to the statement I made is that I recognized amongst juniors, amongst uh, those who have not even got their first job yet, and amongst those who have migrated over to UX, maybe they were head of uh, graphic design at ABC or whatever, there's this unjustified arrogance and what it does, people like me that's eager to learn, but I'm not accepting any wooden coins, it demonizes, they, de- they demonize me. I'm the bad guy. Right, right. I'm the guy that's wrong for questioning anything that is being said because, oh, you haven't been in this space long enough. Yeah, but I have a brain. I don't have a scarecrow disease, you know, that a bunch of people that these folks are used to dealing with have, you know. So it, it's just something that I had to uh, understand that, hey, this is a problem that you can't easily fix. It's not going anywhere. So I just might as well accept it for what it is and try to figure out, since I do have a brain, how do I survive in the midst of all of this? Without being in 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 the soup kitchen somewhere unemployed, how do I do that? You know, so that's where I'm at. Now. There is a thin line for sure because you did the when when a lot of people don't understand it. Part of our discipline involves pushing back and mm-hmm. picking our battles. Don't fight every battle, but pick our battles. Uh, pushing back when it's time to push back, 
doing it in a diplomatic and professional way so you don't uh, become the person that nobody wants to interact with, but do it in a way that even when you do disagree or present something that the team might not understand, that you do it in a way that still endears everyone to one another. And and we can just disagreeably uh, disagree, but keep in mind, we're not married to our recommendations. It usually takes a while to learn that. So if we recommend something and the company shoots it down or the stakeholders shoot it down, ah, moving on to the next project. Yes, I, right. I did my best. Did you did you represent expert voice? Yes. Good. Check that box. There's a box for you to check. Did you provide? Did you advocate for users properly and ethically? Yes. OK. Did that. Check that box. Uh, did you provide proper substantiation? Did you share trustworthy, reliable and actionable data to your research? If it's yes, check those boxes. And they still didn't do. They still don't care. You did your job. And, and that's one of the interesting things about UX that sometimes that's the job to simply represent and move on. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel good, but we have to learn how to deal with it, to let it roll off our sleeve and move on because we only get listened to a fraction of the time. For some reason, people think that, oh, when you do UX, everybody listens to what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, you keep believing that. That's, funny. That's not going to happen. Uh, and, and when you're in an environment, there have been times I'm in a, a great environment and, uh, and I, rec- I recommend something, but I'm so used to, you know, all of a sudden having the tomatoes and every proverbial tomatoes thrown at you. Uh, and then you make a recommendation and then you brace for impact because you know what what comes next. And when they go, oh, that's really great. I understand that. And you go, oh, what? Oh, okay. And then you sort of come back to and you you do your thing. So it's just part of what we live with and we have to be ready for that and to stand firm. I do want to go back to something Elizabeth said, because I, I think this is a moment of extreme transparency for me. And I want to present something that one of the reasons I had to stop going to the to certain UX meetups. When I see certain meetups, I'm like, okay, let me assess. Who's in charge of this? What's the topic? Uh, No, I'm not going because it was what Clarissa said. Doing what I do for the discipline is extremely taxing, Mm -hmm. as you probably already figured. It is it can be extremely painful because I haven't lied to anyone. I haven't misrepresented anyone. Everything that I do, I'm going to retire. By the time you guys really reap the fruit of what I'm doing, I will have retired. <laughs> I'm not even going to partake of it. So I'm not even doing this for me. So when I say this is a labor of love, this is a humongous labor of love because at best I get to look in the distance. They finally got it. Man, I'm happy while I'm on my rocking chair drinking my iced tea because I'm not doing it anymore. So when I go to certain meetups, it, it, and it's exactly, I can't remember which one of you said it. The blind leading the blind is one thing. But the people who aren't blind, leading the blind, is an absolute travesty. And it's sad that that's what's going on at a lot of these meetups. And Mm -hmm. so when I go to the meetup and the person in charge is casting aspersions, the person in charge is planting seeds of, of, of anarchy and disrespect with all these new UXers, these upper comers that are there, they use my attendance as a way to fuel their own fight. They should be supporting me, but instead they're actually, not only are they fighting against me and I haven't done anything worthy of anybody fighting against me. I really haven't. And, and if anybody examines it, you you know that I haven't. Um, but they also are guilty of coddling the new people. So they are basically, hey, thanks for coming. Here, come and get your shot of toxic positivity. And, and off they go. So they, that's what <laughs> That's what's happening. They, when they say something right. ridiculous, these people who some of these people have been doing UX almost as long or as long as me and say nothing. Because we got I've said this on my podcast a lot recently. Cowardice is running amok in UX and nobody wants to. It's funny. They're willing to lie on me, but they're not willing to tell that person they have a nail in their tire. And, and that is really mega dysfunctional. That they're willing to do that. You won't say anything to who you should say something to, but you're willing to say something that's going to make somebody else look bad and basically detrimentally impact my career. 
by doing things like that. They used to complain about the fact I didn't have a degree. Then I got two master's degrees and I'm getting a PhD. And now they complain about that. It's amazing how people flip and, and try to make you look bad for all the wrong reasons. And then when somebody does do something bad, they just gloss over it and act like it's nothing. Or people who are angry because of what I what I achieved and try to make me look bad because they're threatened by it. Because So I deal with things from so many different angles that you just wouldn't <laughs> believe it. And, and, and the thing that keeps me going is my commitment to excellence. I refuse to back down. But it's not about me. And, and that's really everything I just said is about that. This is not about me. I'm talking about me, but I'm only talking about me to make a point. It's, it's mm-hmm. not about me. Go ahead, Clarissa. Which I want to say. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Clarissa says anything. I value you. And I <laughs> am so happy. I wish that that wasn't happening because I do think that the things that you have to say are so helpful. Like I, when I first got started, if it wasn't for you, like if it wasn't for you being on Debbie Levitt's podcast, you, Nick Fine, um, I'm forgetting who else, um, Dr. Ari, if it wasn't for all of you saying what you have been saying all the way back in 2018, even before that, I would have struggled. I would have still been struggling to like land my first job, like land that first real UX job, because I would have been listening to people who were misinforming me about what I needed to do, how to properly train myself in order to be do the work. So I appreciate you so much because you and all these practitioners who are being truthful and being honest about the state of UX are helping people. So if you don't feel that way, I want you to know. Yeah. For me personally, like you did help me. It always makes me feel good. Yeah. It always makes me feel good when people do that. And I take that and I definitely treasure the moment (laughs) as much as I can because it it, it helps as well. It helps as well. But go ahead, Clarissa, go ahead. I know you've been sitting there patiently. No, I, I, no, I, I um, was, as you were talking, I was thinking about um, some moments and I, I do therapy weekly um, and often I talk about work and the frustrations that I sometimes experience where like I, I have very high standards for myself and I pride myself and tie my self-worth to the quality of my work to the extent where if I sometimes feel that I'm not in an environment in which I can do my best work, I feel bad about myself. Mm. And it's I, I know it's going to happen in my career and it's, it's something I'm still personally working through. But she said something to me once, which I'm trying to kind of like use as like a mantra because I would say, you know, I wish I could fix this problem. I wish I could fix this. I wish I could. And she said to me, how about thinking about improving something? One percent. Yes. And it's even then in telling me that she could see me rolling my eyes. Being <laughs> like, <laughs> We can do better than one percent. But it's it's the it's the, in principle just. Being present, like you were saying, Darren, like, did you advocate for users' like needs? Did you design yes. your research properly? Like, did you do all that you could have done? Okay, I have to find a way to make peace. If yes, I want to say like, I I don't get my way, um, but like <laughs> if things, if decisions are made that don't align with what my expectations are. And then there's that. And and to what else you were saying, Darren, about, because I think, again, coming back to my journey to being a titled senior user researcher and the, and the raised eyebrows in certain forums, um, one of the things, oh, do you know what, do you know, it wasn't that. It was, I was listening to someone in a forum talk about how they interviewed for a job um, and as with a startup and it was with um you know two young young founders i don't know how young they were um but they said that the reason why they didn't get the job is because the person that got hired was cute Been there. that's what they said in that environment <laughs> and i well you, you love but i i was very um 
concerned because I feel like that's something that I'm very fearful of. Oh, Clarissa got hired for this role because she's young. Clarissa got hired for this role because she's so smiley. Like they all the the good things about you that get weaponized. Like you know, I'm, yeah. I'm very. I'm a very straightforward person. People say that they like that about me um, when they work with me. Um, but in the same vein, being a straightforward black woman, people people who work with me say that they like how straightforward I am. And that's great. But in the same vein, someone else might come along and see me as a young black woman and call me aggressive. And, and they yeah. have done before. Like I had a horrible incident at work where that happened. Um, and so my point is people, and this is again something I talked about in, in therapy, people will tell themselves all kinds of lies in their head to yep. justify feelings about themselves, about, you know, why, do, why, not, why me, why not me? And so that's something that I always have to be aware of. It might not be me in that situation that person might be processing um frustrations that they have about where they are and 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 fears about what they won't be able to um achieve because of things that are out of their control so yes you know charitable thinking in that situation which is really hard when you're getting attacked um but yeah like i i just i have to work on not taking people's thoughts in those moments personally yeah that's why i'm so quick to one of the reasons i'm so quick to block people and i say quick but it's not usually quick my blocking on social media is all based on one criteria if somebody and when i see that they're dedicated to being in civil i'm done our engagement on social media is something we do of our own volition uh, it's our it's our own prerogative. It's it's all, and I'm sharing information massively, either the posts you see and the conversations you don't. I, I'm doing this stuff free. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love how somebody talking to me about psych, psychological safety one day said that you're actually giving people your brain power, and you yeah. cannot discount the value of that and the effort behind it. And so you have to treat yourself a certain way, you know, in the yeah. old adage of love others as you love yourself. Yes. That means that you have to love yourself first. And people usually miss that. So if you don't love mm-hmm. yourself, if I don't love me, I can't love you. So I can't do mm-hmm. right by you unless I do right by me. So if I allow abusive, abusive people to come into my life and take up residence, then that's doing a disservice to myself which in turn, eventually that's going to play out a different way. So I cut people off. So anybody I've ever blocked, I, there was somebody recently, yeah, can you please get that? And, and there's like several posts on, on LinkedIn. Can you please get Darren Hood to unblock me? Can you stop being uncivil? You know, it, it, everybody I've ever blocked got blocked for the same exact reason. Pretty much. So if you, if you show that you don't value what I'm sharing, there's no reason for us to have a connection. Is there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not going to be there if you don't respect people, not just me, if you don't respect people that you interact with during the conversations on my post. If you don't demonstrate respect for them, I'm going to look out for them. You're gone. You know, so these types of things. So we have to we have to look out for ourselves. Oh, and I I laughed when you were saying that because I experienced the same thing once I did. My first Internet related job, I didn't get it. I was trying to get a promotion at one company before I was doing UX. No, it was I was doing UX in the evenings, but I wasn't doing it during the day. But there was a a department that was responsible for all of our internet based work, and I interviewed for the job. I was one of the last, to my knowledge, one of the last two finalists. And a woman got the job, and it's a little well. This was sexism in a different way than what we were talking about earlier. She got the job over me. I was a help desk person, so I would have to go up there and work on things for them. I went up there to work on something and the the gal who got the job came to the guy in charge, asked him a couple of questions and then walked off. And there were three, four other guys in this department and they all turned around and leaned over and watched her walk up the aisle. 
And that's when I realized why I didn't get the job. And I guess one of the questions she asked of them was, hey, how do I view source on a website? These people are responsible for, <laughs> I already knew how to do all of that. She got the job because they wanted to have, they wanted to be able to ogle her during the day, not because she was qualified. So when you told that story, I was reminded of that. I, I have so many stories, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> but you know what? It's one of those things like, it's not that I don't imagine that these things happen, but in in a way, it's kind of like, for the person who was who's complaining about this person who got the job who's who's you know because they were cute i'm just like couldn't you imagine working in an environment where someone's worth boils down to their looks are you like in the grand scheme of things are you really upset that you didn't get that job like i'd be horrified <laughs> right do you know what i mean yeah yeah, either, you, either way, I'd be absolutely horrified to work in an environment where people could be hired just to be ogled at. So yeah, you you, yeah, do, you it's, dodge it's, it's one. Horrible. That's and why. I, this yeah. the person the person who got <laughs> exactly. hired to be ogled at. They're pro- exactly. they're not getting professional development opportunities. No, no. They're not getting the help they need. And prone to harassment as well. That's yes. the thing that makes me, you know, I would not feel safe working in an organization like that. So yeah. if, if that is the case, then pray for that poor person who's been hired for their looks. Yes. That's why I'd say. That's one of the reasons why I also say one of the greatest blessings uh-huh. you can ever have is a closed door. One of the what? <laughs> one of the greatest blessings one can ever receive is a closed door. Because you never know why no, the door true. was closed. I mean, and, and that's yeah. not even the end of the story. I get you folks know I'm into photography. I go to a photography event not that many years ago. I want to say it was right when I was really starting to ramp up. So it was about maybe seven years ago. I went to a Scott Kelby conference. And who do I see? The woman who got the job over me. And, and I was talking to her about some things. And she said, I told her where I was working. And she's like, how'd you get that? And how'd you get that? And how'd you get that? She was just, so she, str- she ended up struggling. I'm ascending. By now, I'm doing UX during the day. You know, and photography is like my second, third level thing. And, and she, her career completely fell apart. She, she's wondering how in the world I was able to accomplish what I was accomplishing. But I never came off of my... My, my commitment to progress. I never came off of that stool, so to speak. I always, and I believe, I, I love the thing you said that the therapist mentioned. I always, uh, Ray may have heard me say this before, it's one millimeter at a time. You just have to become sensitive to the millimeter. But you go, well, because everybody doesn't have it. They they only see improvement in chunks. You have to, it's one yeah, millimeter me. at a time. And if I use a baseball metaphor, uh, sometimes it's about a single. It's not about the home run. And and sometimes it's about the single that you got because you barely made contact and it was almost like a swinging bunt and you got down the line. It's not about the home runs. It's not about the triples. It's not about the doubles. It's not about the sexy thing that's done. It's simply about the accomplishment. So and we have to make sure that we're thinking about one of the topics we didn't get to discuss, but quantifying our success. How far did you get ahead? Did you really get ahead? Is your current status actually legitimate? Is it legitimate or is it something that is, is it you faking it until you make it? And, and and I heard about a person who was trying to advance in UX and somebody told me that I knew the person and somebody else knew the person and talking about their advancement. They said, the only thing this person ever talks about at work is colors. They never really design anything. They never, but this person got promoted to a senior role, but I was told by a reputable source that this person only talks about colors. That's the only thing they ever talk to anybody about. They never provide any thought leadership, which a senior is responsible for. So they never provide any thought leadership. They never provide any means of growth for the people that are under them in the department. And if all this person ever knows how to do is when they were on LinkedIn. And I had to eventually block the person because they would see my post and all they wanted to do is argue. So you're not going to argue with the authority figures and really make progress. You can, if you see a different vantage point, you could, you should present it. You could ask questions about it, but you don't get anywhere by coming along and stepping on other people. 
it simply doesn't it, it simply doesn't work like that. And for some reason, people think that that is the case. And and, and so we we struggle in some of the things we're talking about today. It, it's just it's important to be aware of these things and not engage in ostrich effect bias, bearing your head because you don't want to want to. Uh, everybody familiar with that? No. <laughs> ostrich bias is where you see something, but you don't want to deal with it. So you stick your head in the ground. Mm. That That's what the coddlers that we talked about earlier at the meetup. That's what they do. They know there's an issue, but they don't want to address it. They don't want to be the known to address. They don't want to be known for addressing it. They know what people like me do and they know what I suffer and they don't want to be a part of it. They won't even people literally tell me, I'm glad you're talking about it because I don't have the courage to do it. People actually come to me and literally tell me that. I know you're taking one for the team. I appreciate what you're doing. You're taking one for the team. Yeah, I don't get I have not gotten hired because of my being vocal. Are these leaders in the in the field who if I if I looked them up? They'd be working at pretty reputable companies. Yes. And- yes. Mm-hmm. And they're afraid. Many of them are afraid. That's the cowardice in the discipline. Again, they're afraid to speak up because they don't want to be known for that. So like what what Clarissa was talking about earlier, I some people look at me as angry black guy. I'm not angry at all. I've actually had people respond to me on LinkedIn and say, I know you're angry about this. I said, I'm not angry at all. I'm just making a point. So, yeah, I'm just I'm just, really, um, I'm just being passionate. Yeah. You know, what What are you? Oh, that's wrong. Why are you doing it? How do how you, how you want me to say it? The, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of ridiculous. But again, they do it because they're trying to make me look a certain. They're trying to cast me in a certain light. Yeah. Because then in one fell swoop, that makes them feel justified in ignoring what I'm talking about. But everything I talk about, I say it again. When I say something's coming, it always happens. When I talk about a current state, it always gets proved out. So. The fact that everything I said, you know, one person, Darren is pontificating. No, I'm not pontificating. That's a way for you to dismiss the reality associated with what I'm saying when it's actually real and you're doing people a disservice by painting that picture. So, and, and you know, I, I had a big post about that this week and, and folks, you know, what did I get? Like 10 likes maybe? People weren't even responding to it. They just they saw what I did. They went they went into ostrich effect mode, and they buried their head in the sand. You know that what I said is true. You know this is happening. Why are you ignoring it? And, and don't you realize that by doing that, you're not supporting me. That's for sure. And, and, and it 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 does damage to the industry. And I I still I'm thankful. I'm still able to make a living in light of these things because it's. And I'm not going to stop being vocal at all. I look at who connects to who. I look, I I do look at who likes what because there's a story in that many times. And I see some very interesting connections out there from (laughs) from time to time. And it tells a story. Here we're back to storytelling again. It tells a story um, when you see different things like that. And the fact that some people, you never see them like anything you say, but they'll say something else about the stuff that you're saying. You just told me, you just told me a story. Thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's amazing. But 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 quantifying of success, folks need to. We're gonna be I'm gonna be doing a master class pretty soon for um for human um for um interaction design foundation. And it's about personal UX maturity. It's part of the talk I did for University of Michigan, extracted mm-hmm. basically to focus on that piece only to tell people what personal UX maturity is and to show them how to manage their personal UX maturity. Or they're gonna say that's old school too, or is it is it really legit? So because there's a lot of people that they have no idea how to manage their 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 trajectory in the discipline, and it's sad. Somebody said that uh, thinking about what Elizabeth said earlier. So UX is gonna change in five years. How are you gonna manage that? You know how idiotic that is. How idiotic that sounds. You're how are you gonna? So everybody's gonna start over in five years. Is that what you're saying? That makes no sense, nor have we ever even seen anything like that. That's what they want to happen. And then they're going to make themselves, they're already operating in delusion. So now that some people are going to, they're going to engage in self-fulfilling prophecy. And in their mind, it's going to happen. No, no, it never has happened like that, nor is it, nor is it ever. 
Form factors change, mental models change. That's it. Right. That's it. No, I am. I am interested to know about that developing your own personal maturity model. Like what, what is the model for you and what should the model be for you? Because I, I wonder that a lot now that I am now that I'm not studying, like actively in a program studying it and I'm in a uh, position now where I'm practicing it in industry now I'm having to grapple with those questions. Yes. Um, I just, my, my managers that our director sent us this form. She's like before she just got hired and she's, she's asking everyone before she meets with them to fill out this form about their strengths, you know, what motivates them, where do they see themselves? And I'm like, damn, I haven't even thought about these things really in, in depth before, about where I'm seeing myself now in a year, in five years, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe everything will change in five years, yeah. and then will everything will be all different? But um, <laughs> probably not. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I think sometimes it, you get so caught up in in what you said. This like online kind of fighting, like getting so lost in the weeds of the misinformation. I'm, I haven't even taken a second to sit and think. Like, well, how? What kind of professional do I want to be? Yes. Especially now as a as a junior. Yep. Someday I'm gonna be the senior. Someday I'm gonna be mm-hmm. where you are. And I I wonder what uh how can I make the future that I want this profession to be in? How do I make that happen? Big how do no. I get it there? How do I get the people who I know also want that same future where we are we are grounded in methodology we're practicing proper ux we're actually helping inform business make decisions that are user centric mm-hmm. how do we do that with all of this this huge sea of horrible misinformation surrounding us yeah I ponder that i'll you, also leave that i guess to the group how do we do that huge challenge and then and when you when you throw in not only in your efforts to ascend to whatever degree of excellence you're trying to ascend to you got to look at those who are trying to pull you down who are working against you how do you how do you get around that yeah because you don't always know who they are some some of them come as a friend you know you know and then once you get to a certain point here goes that crab just yanking you right (laughs) down you know um so it's i i think i think it's i think it's pretty complex and i was going to ask you darren because just 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 look, looking at LinkedIn, when I look at LinkedIn, um, and and you mentioned this, people being having the courage to speak up that know better, et cetera, et cetera. First and foremost, if we just isolate this conversation to the people that know better, that's a small number, it seems. Yeah. And then if you if you if you if you narrow that down to the people that are vocal, that's even smaller. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yep. so, so so then you got to retrofit. Some of these folks are in some powerful positions. Mm-hmm. And then you got the, the leaders of tomorrow, you know, they're thrown off too, some of them. So it is it's like it, it's kind of uh I hate to be a negative Nancy, but you know, it it, it doesn't look too great. You know, and in, in the grand grand scheme of things, the, the future doesn't look so bright. And once again, if we throw in the word value off in this conversation in light of all those things, okay, uh it, it it becomes a point to where I'm looking at a career where I'm just jumping around eventually, I'm hopping around from place to place to place. We can even talk about education, mm-hmm. you know, on um Back in the days, on-the-job training was a big deal uh, when I was in telecommunications, you know. But how in this field, you grow by experience, you know. You strengthen that. Yeah, head knowledge is great, you know, but that's in a book. Once you apply what you learn, then that's the real test. Yep. That's how you put what – have y'all actually learned this? Well, let me test it out. Let me put this out in the wild. Let me put this to practice. But if you don't have those opportunities – you know, uh, most of us haven't built a website or, excuse me, a, a product from beginning. We're doing features, add-ons, stuff like that. 
So we have no idea what it means to start from ground zero. Yep. So the learning uh, opportunities and a growth potential, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're, you're 100% it's, right. <laughs> it's, 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 not really, it's not really there compared to back during your time when you guys first came on the scene, okay? Uh, you know, of course, there's going to be the exceptions to the rule, but yeah. it, 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 it's just problem. Yeah, because there, there are some opportunities. Some of us have opportunities to – you know, there, there's a, I, I would split it. Let me take a step back. There's a percentage. I'm not even going to throw a number out there because I don't know what it is, but there's a percentage of brand new initiatives and a percentage of redesigns or updates or uh, people are in maintenance mode with regard to certain things. So there will always be that variation. And, but I do think that having the proper mentality is good for both. And then people just build their experience as they go. You touch on something huge though, about the learning aspect, because as a former instructional designer uh, with five certifications, they drilled it in us that the prop, the best, the proper learning experience consists of presentation, application, and feedback. So presentation could be that you watched a video, you went to a training session, what, what, however you, you read a book, whatever you did to, to internalize that information, to take it in, that's the presentation mode. The application mode is when you get to practice what you learn. So some people just get in presentation and then the application is not done properly. So if you don't get to apply what was presented, well, let me back up again. If the information presented was flawed, it doesn't matter what you apply. But the information must be proper. It must be accurate. Then you apply it, you practice it. Then you get feedback on how you applied it, how well you did it, what you did well, where you need to improve. And then that cycle continues. It keeps going in a circle. So that's how people grow. That's how people learn, no matter what their what their venue is. That's how people learn. And, you know, people just need the opportunity to do that. So whether it's, you know, if you did some redesigns, you worked on the feature, fine. Uh, you worked on something from the ground up, fine. It just whether you worked on one versus the other, it's going to, you know, everybody's going to have an opportunity. I mean, I worked on from the very beginning of my career. I worked on things from the ground up. So I had the I was had the benefit of work. I got involved when the Internet was just getting started. So we had to build websites from the ground up and I built a bunch of websites from the ground up using UX principles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's that repetition. It's that that uh, and that relearning things. Because you could relearn something, or you could learn something, but then you have to relearn it because something changed. Uh, there's also that iterative aspect where, where, and that retro act aspect where you did something. Okay, what could you have done better? Though these are all the types of things that come in come into play when we're trying to improve ourselves, gauge ourselves, evaluate our the trajectory of our career, to quantify our success, our status if you will. And somebody mentioned Dunning-Kruger earlier. The mm-hmm. That's a huge issue today because in this age that's dominated by fake it till you make it mentalities, a lot of people like to imagine they're somewhere that they're not. And when you tell them, when you do offer feedback, which is critical to the learning cycle, if you criticize somebody, if you tell them that their baby is ugly, so to speak, um, then they take umbrage to that, no matter how diplomatically you present it. So these are all things that are critical to UX folks as they are to any other discipline, really. Um, These are all things that are critical and folks will not progress until they really embrace these, these components. They really won't. So, but we have covered a lot folks. I think we ended up touching on some of the other, some of the other topics without uh, bringing them up formally I want to take the time. I know uh, the Honda Tree had to go, but I want to mm-hmm. thank you, Carissa, Elizabeth, Ray. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. Thanks for being so open. Thanks for being so transparent. Thanks for displaying uh, and demonstrating your passion. Uh, and I'll offer to you also something I offer to the other groups. Everybody wants to come back and do it again. So if you want to come back and, and do this yeah. again, let me know. I know the Honda Tree would love to. 
uh, to come back because she didn't get to participate as much because we had some extended time. But thank you again. I know people are going to appreciate this. Uh, I, I've already the, the feedback that we've received on the other new UXR symposiums has been fantastic. I do think just to share a, new, a bit with you, by the time I finish my PhD, because time prohibits me from doing this now, uh, we're going to start doing this on a regular basis anyway. And it's not going to be part of a podcast where we can just come together <laughs> on the weekends and let people sound off and and talk about things and look at things and actually get our hands dirty in, in working on different things or uh, identifying and addressing certain things. Because I think it's going to bring value to the community and I care about everybody. My heart's too big, I think, sometime, but. But I, I know right now, dissertation comes first. But just so you know, that's on the horizon. We're looking forward to doing this again. But until next time, this yeah. is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.